For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm PJ Dorn, and this week on the show we have Madman Moto America racer Jason Madama. Pit Pass is sponsored, of course, by Moto America, the home of the AMA Superbike Championship, featuring 190-mile-an-hour superbikes, and it is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. You can follow Moto America on Twitter, of course, Instagram, and Facebook, and they've got so many ways for you to watch the races, even if you can't attend, although I suggest you attend when there's a race anywhere in your neck of the woods. Get out there, go watch. But if you can't watch live at the track, you can watch on a Moto America Live Plus app all day, live streaming. It's wonderful. It's the best way to feel like you're there, even if you aren't. You can catch their action on FS2 live Saturday and Sunday superbike races on FS2. Then in the days after the race weekend, you can get Moto America Rewind and Junior Cup class on FS2 as well. And then the Supersport class is out on Mav TV. Plus, you get the backstory and technology insights on Inside Moto America, and that's on NBCSN. So there's so many ways for you to watch the action. Please get out there and check it out. I'm a huge fan. You are too. That's why you're listening. We really appreciate you checking out Moto America. Sadly, I don't have a lot of news to report. Some of the previously reported races have gone missing. Stay tuned. Go to our blog. We've got links to get you to whichever is your favorite type of racing to get the latest and greatest information about upcoming events as it becomes available. This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, what was the first production liquid-cooled motocross motorcycle? We'll be back with that answer after we talk to Jason. We're welcoming to Pit Pass today number 213, Jason Madama, Moto America Twins Cup competitor on the Syndicate Racing Apex Assassins MT-07. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So this has been about the weirdest year of motorcycle racing you've probably ever had in your entire life, has it not? It has been. It has been. It's crazy. So you're based out of Colorado, is that correct, Jason? I know Colorado's not been the hardest hit of states. How are things going for you? I mean, it's not too bad. I mean, we've actually been pretty lucky. A couple of the go-kart tracks have been open, so we've been able to go ride our mini bikes and uh, 
the MRA, it's a local club here in Colorado, had their first round at Pikes Peak International Raceway. And so I think the, you know, I think like a lot of the, you know, the club guys are talking to the, you know, the authorities high ups and try to make sure it's all good. And we're able to run these events without any issues. And I mean, so far it's been pretty good. I mean, we're definitely way behind schedule. I mean, we should be three or four rounds deep and, you know, same with Moto America and, you know, this whole COVID thing is really putting a damper on all of our fun. So. <laughs> yeah, it really is. What's the latest, I presume any and all involved teams in Moto America are getting official emails and, and notifications about upcoming events and the status of them. Has there been anything uh, very late breaking right now as, as it seems the second wave is actually happening? I mean, we haven't, I haven't heard any no-go about Atlanta. You know, as far as I'm told, everything is 100% go. So I'm still planning on heading out to, I left all my stuff out in Wisconsin, my my bike and my rig, and I'm flying back on the 22nd and I'm going to make my way down towards Atlanta, you know, for round two. So uh, as of now, I haven't heard anything, you know, bad. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. I know, you know, some of these states are starting to shut down again and, uh, and, uh, you know, it does does worry me a little bit that some of these might get canceled or rescheduled. But as of now, everything's still a go. So. Well, that's good news. Yes, sadly, we are seeing it in some other series. The Outdoor Lucas Oil Pro Motocross announced a couple of races and sadly's had to, you know, postpone those as the current word that's being used. But there's a lot of uncertainty everywhere, it seems. Are you able to do your, your day job regardless? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do graphics, so I do, you know, li- uh, liveries for motorcycles and trailers and stuff like that and a little bit of graphic design. And uh, I just had uh, actually the number one plate from Colorado, Ryan Burke, just dropped his R1, his new 2020 R1 off for me to wrap, you know, do some graphics and logos and stuff on it for the races this weekend. So that's what I'm working on this week. So, I mean, we have a, a business that we run here in Colorado. It's a consignment wedding dress off rack wedding dress store. And you know, we're able to do um, appointment only clients. And, you know, obviously we're not nearly as busy as we were before all this happened. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're able to to do what keeps a club racer going, make a few bucks. How serious is your, your club racing? Your name is, uh, I, I'm formerly a wear racer myself. So in club racing circles, you've been doing this quite a while, right? How long would you call your motorcycle racing career? I started racing full competitive season in 2003. So it's been a bit of good chunk, 17 years. And I only did, I only took one season off in 2009 and actually I still raced. I just wasn't racing bigger bikes. I was racing smaller mini moto bikes, kind of concentrated on that just for a season, just to take a break from the big stuff. But uh, yeah, it's been pretty crazy, man. I mean, 2003 to current, I've pretty much done a complete season every year. Well, and that's what club racers do. The The country's full of them, and you're currently competing in the class that really seems to have been, if not tailor-made for guys like you, it really opened the door to, again, guys like you, Chris Parrish. There's some professional racers that never went all the way into the pro ranks because there just wasn't a good fit. I mean, is that a fair statement? Do you think that really is the way it kind of has played out, this uh, twins class? I love the twins. I mean, you have the opportunity to build bikes. I mean, it gets a little, you know, financially troubling sometimes because there's so much that you have to do to these bikes to be competitive, but we enjoy doing that. I mean, I've been building my own motorcycle since I was a kid, you know, to race. And so it was a lot of fun for us to kind of piece together the bike. And these bikes that we race aren't really meant to be, 
raced, you know, technically they're kind of street commuters. So, you know, having to do all this crazy stuff to them to make them competitive and fast is a lot of fun. And then there's a lot of, it just feels good to go out on a bike that you built yourself and that, you know, you spend all this time and, and research and development making work right. And, you know, actually being competitive with some of these other teams that maybe have more money or more backing. So it's definitely awesome. I raced a super stock 1016 for a couple of races and in Moto America was my first pro real pro event. And, you know, after those races, I was like, I think I'm done. I was like, I, you know, I got my chance to race pro and I did pretty good and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then when the 2018, when the twins cup showed up, I was like, Oh man, I was like this, like you said, this fits perfect. Like it's not too fast. They're not crazy super bikes. And it's not like a junior cup bike where it's a really slow bike. So it's kind of a happy medium. And, uh, I mean, if you can see the races are just amazing. I mean, we have epic battles and, you know, it's all really, really close. And so it makes for some good racing, man. So I love, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was drawn myself to twins racing when I got, uh, I think I started racing with Wera in 09 or 10. It was just the right time. I was encountering the fastest kids that are now on super bikes. Now all of them are on super bikes, but they were in the, in the twins and the 600 so a weekend at a race was seeing the future stars and it's impossible not to love it and yeah twins are accessible for most club racers like you either you're gonna be good at it and competing or you're gonna find out you're not good enough and no reason to spend more money than this i'm just not that fast <laughs> i mean the, the twins class really shows it up yeah i think it's cool because they're not they're not fast enough to where you can, you know, build these like crazy overpowered bikes. You know, everyone, you know, everyone that's doing this competitively has, you know, pretty reasonably, you know, equal motorcycles. And so, you know, like I was saying, if you look at the racing, everybody's really, really close. I mean, even the road racing world guys, you know, Rocco Landers and those guys have all the backing and, you know, support in the world. And even little draft Rocco into came, the line, draft into yeah. the line. Can't even get away from us, man. So, I mean, it's cool. I mean, I kind of coming in this year was like, you know, shit, man, we're going to have some of these, you know, like kids like Rocco and Toby and Jackson Blackman. And, you know, they're obviously doing really well, but they're not just disappearing, you know? I mean, I, especially at a track like Road America that we've been the last couple of rounds, I mean, you figured you'd really see the, the development of some of these bikes like shine, but, you know, even guys like me and Parrish that are privateers that build our own stuff and that have done our own shows are still right up there in the front group with the you know all these kids man so it's it's awesome yes it is and it, it proves the point that uh i mean it was a good idea for a race class because in the bigger classes realistically you've got to have a lot of oversight or money wins it's that simple and what you're saying is absolutely what's borne out on the track there isn't really a money wins equation in the twins class there's a ceiling for how much power they're going to make and everyone's relatively able to get to the ceiling i don't think one horsepower matters in your class you know that's a draft uh, one horsepower doesn't win it i mean last round i blew my fast motor up in qualifying I don't know if anybody really noticed or not, but I didn't end up running qualifying too. I just used my Q1 time and spent the qualifying two swapping an engine to my slower motor. And so I was probably down five or six horsepower compared to what I had in Q1. And, you know, for the whole beginning, the first round, you know, the first round also. And I was still able to be fast. I ran faster lap times than I did on the fast motor. I was competitive I, mean, I made a mistake in the third race that cost me a podium but i was at least able to battle with all those kids and stay you know i mean i started ninth and ended up you know i think i was you know third at one point in the battle but 
you know, it just goes to show you like a couple horsepower isn't really going to make all that much of a difference on a bike that's only making 80 or 90 horsepower. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it, it makes the greatest racing. Uh, I've been watching over and over again, uh, those races on Moto America Live Plus where they're kind enough to archive them that it just blew me away how many lead swaps there were every lap. It's not just once and then it's over. It's every single lap you guys are swapping every corner. You know, every braking zone was a swap. Yeah, there's no getting away in that class, man. I mean, it's a lot like the Junior Cup for adults, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, no, we, that's absolutely what it is. But then we have the kids out there still. I mean, I think uh, everybody in front of me last round was under 18 or 19 years old, which is pretty funny. Yeah, guys like, I mean, Rocco, we look forward to talking to him. He's clearly a rising star of all things motorcycle racing in the U.S. And he, now he's doing multiple classes, which when I was a club racer, we were all trying to get as many races on any given day because you need more seat time. You don't get better if you're not actually racing against guys. And he's now getting two starts a day. It feels like he's going to accelerate his learning curve. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's got the family supporting him and, uh, he, I mean, I've been racing Rocco since he was 10 years old. I mean, five, five or six years ago, I met him and he was just a little kid racing mini moto and he mopped the floor with me. I mean, he literally embarrassed me on a mini bike yep. and I was pretty fast. I mean, I was, <laughs> I mean, I thought I was fast until I showed up. I, I know, dude, it, it's, it's just heartbreaking, isn't it? I thought I was pretty fast on my hand built SV. The day I met Jake Lewis, he was 14 and they had to give him a waiver to let him do the track day. And it was his it was first day ever on a six hundred and he followed me around for about three laps and then dropped the hammer. I was like, Well, see you never, dude. You're gone. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I mean, some of these kids, I mean, I, I've been doing it a long time and I wouldn't say I'm like, you know, I'm not like a horrible writer. I can hold my own, but man, some of these kids really, really are fast and it's, you know, pretty humbling, especially doing it as long as I have and you know, being as old as I am, I guess that it's uh I'm just thrilled that I'm still capable of keeping it towards the front of the pack. <laughs> That's it, dude. I mean, once there's a, there's an age where it's it's still fun to do it, but no, no way I'm going where they're going. I'm not going there, and it's still a blast. The way I looked at it when uh, when I got to line up with uh, the Jake Lewis's, the Josh Herons, the Elena Myers of the day uh, in any given club racing weekend, I was like, well, I've got the best seat in the house, if nothing else. I yeah, didn't, exactly. didn't have to pay admission, and I am legitimately in the middle of their pack. Yep, yep. I agree. It's cool, man. I definitely enjoy it. I mean, even when I raced Superstock in 16, I had a pretty good start at Coda and was up there with Cam and Heron and all those dudes that were racing 1000s back then. And I was like, I shouldn't be here, but this is a great <laughs> seat, man. <laughs> it, it is the best, man. They would, it's so fun being around. I mean, it's, it's why we love motorcycle racing. It's how you get into it is it is actually super fun. And when you watch somebody doing it, well, it's just insanely cool. And if you're on a motorcycle on the track with them, you've got the best seat in the house. That's I always told my brothers who don't race and always thought it was cool. I'm like, you really get the best. It's fun to watch from the sidelines, even more fun to watch when they pass you. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. It's awesome. How's your team taking this, uh, clearly tumultuous event or are you the team? Have you got a big enough team that this is affecting other people? No, it's just me, man. Uh, the last two years, I've pretty much run my own show. I'm sure you guys follow some of the like junior cup stuff, but Dustin Apgar, uh, the Gilly man, he helps Dominic Doyle with the Bart Con racing team. And, uh, 
he's a really good friend of mine. I've known him for years. And so he kind of helps me when it comes time to like grid up and do some of the stuff that requires help as far as like, you know, pit set up and bike builds and driving and driving. And it's all done by me. Yeah. I do it all myself. So I pretty much go alone, me and my dog. So. Well, cheers to you for being that guy, a man in a van with a plan, which we know has been done by some famous race guys. Uh, But it's being it's being done all the time by guys like you, Jason, and just hats off to you for the the dedication that you've shown to the sport. And your current results definitely suggest you still belong out there. So keep at it. I want to give you a chance before we wrap up to thank any of the people, friends, uh, which we were just doing sponsors that maybe have helped you along the way or got you where you're going. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, absolutely. This year, I'm, you know, being, you know, a little bit financially backed uh, by Apex Assassins Track Days or Las Vegas, California-based track day association, uh, kind of new in the game, but awesome, awesome dudes. And uh, I'm happy. You know, I was, had the pleasure of meeting Richard, the owner at Laguna in 18, my first year racing Twins Cup, and we hit it off. And, uh, you know, he's invited me out to a handful of track days in Vegas and you know, ended up just being good buddies. And so that's why I'm flying their flag this year. Scorpion Helmets, I've been working with them for six years and they're awesome. You know, the EXO R1, the, the Quattro helmet is what I'm running this year. And it's a great helmet. And Forma Boots is helping me this year. And Plus Racing Leathers is helping me. And Motor X and Vortex and Moto D and, you know, a bunch of the parts guys helping me keep my bike outfitted. And as far as that, I, like I said, I kind of do my own thing. So, um, you know, I don't have anybody driving my rig or anybody building or supplying me with motorcycles. So pretty much it's just the parts that I get and the gear that I get and, you know, the help that I get from my friends. So shout out to those dudes for sure. Well, keep up the hard work, Jason. We really appreciate you joining us here on Pit Pass. I look forward to seeing you at a racetrack and uh, watching you go, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on for sure. This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, what was the first production liquid-cooled motocross, specifically motorcycle? And the answer is the inimitable 1981 Yamaha YZ125. First liquid-cooled motocross bike to hit our shores. Really cool bike, The really the start of the modern era, one could argue. Putting liquid cooling on motocross bikes, just they made so much more horsepower. The advantage, as any of you listeners likely know, the advantage to liquid cooling is you can make a lot more heat, and heat is horsepower. You need to make power, you're going to make heat. Getting rid of that heat allows you to keep making it for the race, the entire distance of any given race. So that's why that was a watershed moment. Now it's virtually impossible to find a dirt bike that isn't liquid cooled. You're into some pretty small stuff if it doesn't have liquid cooling. There's a couple notable holdouts, but by and large, liquid cooling was the wave of the future and has been adopted by everyone, everywhere, for everything. We want to say thank you again to our guest, Jason, for joining us today, and we want to thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. If you have a moment, please also rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
and pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our all new blog. We've got some really interesting stuff on the blog. You should go check it out. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm PJ. We'll see you next week. Keep the rubber side down. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.